0: radio influence hey hey welcome back to another episode of live bold and boss up Steph and i are here and today we chat with chris rollins he's an executive leadership coach and we had him here live in the studio, so it was wonderful to really make that connection and hear his story. And um, he has a beautiful reason on why he created the company and why he does what he does and really gave some great value adds to, to some company owners or to some key leadership people just in the episode, just in this um, conversation of things you can do to better your company right now.
1: Right. And I I think pretty much all of us can relate to his story and what he's saying in, you know, building a company. And sometimes you feel like you're that, that one that you feel left out or someone's going to judge you.
0: So just like you know, I could relate to everything that he was saying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you, you will too. And, um, by the way, you can catch Chris live. Um, if you're, especially if you're interested in going to Sherm. um, he'll be the kickoff keynote speaker, um, April 12th over at Sherm in Ruth Eckert Hall.
1: Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We have Chris Rollins here, and um, he has an amazing story he's going to tell us about and how he started his own company and how he got to where he is. So we're just ecstatic to have you here.
2: Yeah. And it's fun, like I was saying, to be in the studio. I know. uh, Which hasn't happened all that much the last few years. So yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: It's um, you kind of get a different dynamic whenever you're in person rather than on Zoom. For sure. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. So Chris, tell us, I guess, first of all, you have a coaching company. And um, you it's a leadership coaching or tell us about your company.
2: Yeah, so I do a keynote speaking, I do leadership training, I do executive coaching. Um, but I think in order to help you can understand more about what I do and why I do it. Um, I'll share kind of a quick story about how it all got started. So Growing up, actually, I was an avid golfer. Um, Dad bought me my first set of golf clubs when I was six, idolizing Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, I'm a lefty, so Phil Phil was my guy. Yeah. Um, And actually went to a a boarding school for golfers for two years, my junior and senior uh, year of high school. Wow. Uh, So left my friends, left my family, broke up with my girlfriend at the time, (laughs) but uh, it all paid off and and I ended up getting a golf scholarship to play at Davidson in North Carolina. Um, and that's where I met this guy across the hall, uh, my freshman dorm and Chase, we'll call him Chase. And, you know, he became, we became best friends, uh, hanging out together all the time and had one of those moments of like, oh, shoot, like, I think he's, he's got like a good smile, he's got kind of nice eyes, like starting to have these, these feelings of like, gosh, I think there's something there. And it terrified me, right? Um, so one thing led to the next, and um, you know uh, we're pre gaming with the guys in the hall like like we always do. And the next morning, I wake up and Chase is there in my bed, and it's one of those like oh shit moments, right? <laughs> and uh, and I you know I, I said to myself like I I know what happened last night, but I know that I am not gay. Like that is not me. That's not my life. That that can't be happening. So a couple weeks later, wake up, same thing. Chase is in my bed again. And that's where I'm like, oh boy, this is getting real. So uh kind of fast forward, I realized like this is this is me. Like this is there's no denying it. Um and I noticed the relationship with my dad starting to get starting to get a little bit cold. because um, he'd be calling me at college to see how our things go, and he only ever wanted to talk about golf grades. And girls, and I was just ignoring the him, three right? Gs. Yeah, That's exactly. so
0: random. Yeah.
2: So uh, he was visiting me at a golf tournament, and I was like, "All right, I got to tell him. I gotta, I gotta." So, so we're at dinner that night, and I'm just pushing food around my plate. You know, probably nervous. feeling sick. Oh and my like- gosh! Yeah, sick to my stomach. So I finally, you know, just as he's signing the check, I I tell him, and you know, you don't never know how your parents are going to respond. Um, but very fortunately, he basically like celebrated me in that, in that moment. And I could tell he was a little uncomfortable, I could tell he was sort of like, I don't know what to say, but he said, I'm so proud of you, that's, that's awesome. And he just stayed curious and he stayed uh, humble about it. And, and just the way that he made me feel safe and seen and accepted in that moment, I know was such a key reason I was able to go out in the world and be myself and be successful in the way that I was in in corporate. Um, And specifically, that's really why I help organizations today develop leaders who create the same kind of ripple effects for their people. And that's where this idea of ripple effect leadership really comes from is how can we create spaces where people feel safe to show up as themselves, to show up fully, with confidence, et cetera. So, so that's what I do now. I share my message, like I said, speaking, um, training leaders on some of those fundamental skills around vulnerability and empathy and humility, uh, and and coaching leaders one-on-one to, to bring more of that humanity into the space.
1: That's a great why. Yeah. Um, And you lived by example on how you wanted to be treated and you can help others do the same as well, which is just like, that's a great message.
2: Yeah, thanks. And it's, you know, I think some people think that, you know, the message isn't just about for the LGBTQ plus community, it's about anyone who's felt like the only at the table or anyone who's hesitated to bring part of themselves to a space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why the message resonates with a pretty wide group of people when I I speak, because it it really is about just being a good human and creating space so that people can show up authentically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we get wrong as leaders, especially now, this idea of authenticity is kind of trending, it's a hot topic. But you can't really force someone to be authentic if they don't feel safe to do that, right? So that's our responsibility as leaders is to show up and create space for that.
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of people at some point in time can kind of relate to that story. Like maybe at some point they didn't feel like they belonged or they felt like they weren't, they were holding something back or felt like if they told the truth then they would be judged. So you know, I I, I know I felt like that before, and I feel like probably most people have, right. you right. know, and just helping helping leaders like that are growing a team or growing a company with their employees going through that yeah. is huge. Yeah,
2: and I think yeah, it's it's a it's an important topic now. I think trust is at a at sort of an all time low. So Edelman just put out a report this year that said four and five people are unwilling to work with someone who disagrees with their point of view. So there's polarization and we see this a lot, you know, in the social, in the political world, in the work world. So we need to create leadership that fosters more connection and engagement and inclusion because there's a lot of division and um, I think lack of trust that really impacts things like creativity and collaboration and teamwork. So Mm -hmm. um, that's why I think also this this message is starting to hit people pretty hard.
0: Right? I mean, because statistically, you're able to grow and and move a company forward easier or faster or better with a diverse group of thinkers, right? With people who think differently. That's the whole point, right? right? Because you don't want the same idea from 15 people. Why do you have all 15 people? Mm -hmm. So can you share with i'm like curious like how do you talk to these executives and get them to be in their authentic self right because um selfishly i'm thinking like right you you can be authentically you but then there's definitely parts where you're coming to the table thinking okay well i can't say it like this or i can't approach it like this because i sound stupid or i Mm -hmm. sound whatever whatever Mm -hmm. the the thing is right so how do you how yeah, do you get those are, the,
2: those are the fundamental core skills that I talk about for becoming a ripple effect leader. So vulnerability, empathy, kindness, curiosity, and humility. And honestly, vulnerability is the first and most important. So I can't create any change in an organization or get through to anyone else if I'm not modeling also what that looks like. So when I come into a company and I give this talk, the very first thing I do is I share my story and i you know i share it in a way that's dynamic and and vulnerable and and powerful i think so that people s- i'm not just telling them to do that i'm showing them mm-hmm. what that actually looks like and your question is so on point because we do we're like afraid of getting canceled by saying the wrong thing right and that's where you know that's where being vulnerable to say in the moment hey you know i'm a little nervous about how to respond to this, or I'm not really sure. I have all the right answers here. That's just being honest and vulnerable in the moment, to to just be real about kind of the situation. And I think what we tend to do, and I'm guilty of this, is like, ooh, this is uncomfortable. I'm gonna kind of close up and like go to the next thing because I don't. I feel like there's a lot of risk right here, so I'm gonna avoid it. So being able to distinguish between safety and comfort is really important. Um, and I think. You know, I, you know, I have a lot of privilege being a white male, right? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of privilege I have even within the LGBTQ plus community. And so um, even I have to be really mindful of this idea of safety versus comfort. And am I, I'm actually safe, but I'm feeling uncomfortable and that's okay. Like to, to actually sit in that discomfort of whatever conversation, whatever difference is happening that's the thing that I'm encouraging leaders to, to notice.
1: Mm -hmm. I was just reading something this weekend. Like the more you sit in an uncomfortable situation, the easier it gets, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like,
0: it makes sense. It makes sense, but I'm like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay, Um, I'll take that. Yeah. So the more you like put yourself in those situations, the easier it will get.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It just, there's conversations like the one with my dad that are really difficult. And, you know, I'm not talking about coming out conversations that are happening every day at work, but there are other difficult conversations. Um, and that's why it's like, let's just lean into being curious, being humble, being kind, Like those are, it, we're not going to solve the, the racism problem, you know, or division like today but what we can do is show up for the person that's in front of you
0: right mm-hmm. and, and be there for them yeah that it's interesting because the the uncomfortability that you had right yeah. you could not stifle that you, it kept coming up and coming up and coming up until you dealt with it how you had to deal with right. it right. it's really interesting and really brave of you right to even ha- Okay, you see this problem, you're like okay, maybe I can stifle it, but then it kept coming up so then you had to take that problem and figure it out or at least talk about it or and it and it seemed like that that was helpful.
2: It was one step in uh, like along the journey. Right. That didn't that didn't just suddenly remove all of the the challenge that I was experiencing, but gosh, it was a really important.
1: Right. Like a step. huge weight. Yeah.
2: Another quick story, so on my freshman year, I was representing the golf team on the student athletic advisory committee, which they're all about improving the experience of student athletes on campus. And one of the first meetings I go to is this huge you know, uh, U-shaped table set up. There's about two people from each team represented there, so there's about 30 people in the room. And the college health counselor and two students are coming to the meeting to pitch this program to the athletic teams. And the program is actually about LGBTQ plus inclusion in sports and all about how to be an ally, like on the court, on the field, in the locker room. And I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. And honestly, before they could even like finish getting the pitch out, you have, you know, kids shooting their hands up saying, you know, if someone has a problem, like, why can't they just go talk to their coach about it? Or, you know, I don't have any problems. Like, why do I have to be here? Or yeah, this seems like a big waste of time. And I'm sitting there thinking, first of all, I'm probably the only gay person there. Nobody knows that. Um, there's no voices in the room that say, like, I belong here mm-hmm. on a team where I'm the top recruit in my in my class. And, you know, two weeks later, I'm I'm still thinking about this. And the only authority figure in the room, who's the assistant athletic director, didn't say anything, she's just sort of silent, letting people chime in. So it's moments like that, where your voice, when it, especially when it has power, like is needed most. And the impact is that two weeks later, you know, I'm rolling around in what feels like a bed of needles because I have shingles that developed all on my back because you kept suppressing side. this yeah, because oh so, you know, there's, uh, there's like a physical manifestation of the stress, yeah. you know, that I was going through. And, and that's happening, I think, at companies all over, all over the place in terms of the people's mental health, uh, and physical health, because they don't feel safe um, to, to speak up or to, to be themselves or or what have you. So, um, yeah, I mean, in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, my experience has been a, a, a pretty good experience in terms of coming out. And I acknowledge the, you know, how fortunate I am because of that. Um, and people will say, you know, Chris, you're so lucky that, you know, your dad responded that way and I am, but also, you know, I was, basically the recipient of a ripple effect that started long before my dad and i sat down at that table for dinner because all of the people that did the work before us the generations before that fought uh, for our for our representation and for our rights had an impact on my dad whether he realized it or not for him to be in a place to accept me like that so while i am very fortunate it's it's something that you know we can't leave to chance right we have to we have to do something about it and think about what's the ripples that we want to create for the next generation of people right Right.
1: so question um that was your freshman year you were talking about that meeting yeah um and did you come out like at what point did you come out like to the team Mm. and did you sit down at that table again after that and like came out Mm. or was like now people knew and like, what effect did that have?
2: Good question. So I never fully came out to the entire golf team cause I didn't feel comfortable doing that. But luckily there were a couple guys in my class who I could confide in. Um, but as you can imagine, then there's this weird dynamic of like covering always and, you know, hiding things that I'm doing and not sharing certain things. Um, but I ended up starting my coming out process my sophomore year of college. Um, and when I graduated is actually when I followed back up with that person in that room to say, "Hey, this is what happened, and I want to make sure this doesn't happen again for for other people, but i wasn't I wasn't ready that day. yeah like I'm not going to raise my hand and say, "You know, actually, I think we should probably have this training. you know i, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that, and that burden shouldn't be on me. so right. I, I did. I reached out to the to the head of the athletic department, the person that was there. I brought my experience and, um, you know, I, I don't know what changes they've made made since then, but they, I was very clear about um, how that should be handled going forward.
1: Good, yeah. That's. I mean, it's good to hear that you did follow up and I'm sure that hopefully they have made some <laughs> changes along with like all universities, you know? Cause mm-hmm. I feel like, especially in athletics, is that something that there's just such a like lack of right like awareness mm-hmm. or acceptance yeah. or you know
2: it's just about like getting it's storytelling is so powerful, right? Mm-hmm. When we learn people's stories, we start to see them differently, we start to connect with them differently, and that's why right. empathy, I think, is a huge part. when I was the head of people for the company I was at in New York City, we used to do employee panels, so we'd have a panel of you know, um, caretakers to, to understand what is it like to be a full-time employee and someone who's taking care of aging parents or what is it like to be a new mom of young kids at home because these are experiences that i don't know about yeah. so suddenly i have a whole nother perspective on what someone's dealing with when they show up at work and i say like well, let's just take two minutes before we jump into t- to today's problem around the conference table to check in with people to see, like, how are we all doing today? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, red, yellow, green, what's our emotional temperature, right? And just creating a little more space for like, what's really there for you, right before diving in.
0: I love that. Yeah, I do, too. I feel like at NextPath we do a really good job of checking in with everyone, seeing how they're feeling, knowing their story and where they come from. But we're small still and we can do that. That's awesome to hear on a larger scale. You guys have actually have panels or or there there are companies that have panels of caretakers, because I feel like that's a lot of what we deal with today. You're either taking care of your parents or you're taking care of new babies. That I mean and, and even though I have two kids, I'm like I don't remember how it was right. You right. kind of forget. It's like <laughs> it's forget. that beautiful thing of like I just see pictures now and I forget right. how hard it was, yeah. you know, to be pregnant or to give birth and then to care for a little one. So right. it's it's always a good reminder even that even when you've been through it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I like the idea too of putting it out like at a table, like before a meeting starts. Cause I feel like usually whenever we check in with people, it's like individually like hey how are you doing but like someone else may not know that they're going through some struggles or maybe why they're not in the office that whole week or Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. so just like
2: yeah i think simple check-ins like using emojis or red yellow green it's also you know if you ask someone how you're doing and you're not doing well it's like, do I really want to open up? You know, do <laughs> right. I want to go there? <laughs> Is there enough time or space for that? Right. Or am I in a space mentally for that to happen? Right. So if I can just say, like, you know, I'm kind of in the red today. I'm just happy that you all know that, but don't need to share much
0: more. Yeah. I love that because there's definitely some things that I I never want to share, and but I'm like, all right, but that that I have to like, put that away. And right. I have to do, you know, talk to this candidate about this job, or talk to this client, and you can't really, yeah like, express it or let someone know. And then you just definitely want to be receiving of what they're kind of coming in with too in a good light. Yeah.
2: You asked earlier about connecting with executives and how how I do that. And I think the other Part of this, a lot of my work is about building trust, building trust on teams. So I think that's also a misconception about the work that I'm doing. While I think it has an impact in the like DEI space and helps people feel like they belong and are included, it's ultimately about how to how to build stronger teams through building trust. And the way that you build trust is you create a foundation of safety where people feel safe enough to connect, um, to engage, uh, to listen, to learn, and over time, that creates trust. Vulnerability creates trust, right? So um, I think by modeling that, by putting it in the lens of, when you have high trust teams, people are less stressed, they're more productive, there's less burnout, there's more creativity. These are all things that have a real impact on your business. Um, So that's part of the conversation too, is how's our trust level and how can we improve that?
1: Mm -hmm. And I do wanna point out too, so after, college is it you went into the corporate world and you kind of worked your way up into like VP of operation of people operations? Yeah, so I worked
2: in in the corporate world for 10 years, worked in sales for the first four, account management after that for another four years. And then I was on the executive team leading the the HR function for a company in New York City. So we were about a 200 employee company. So I was overseeing everything from talent acquisition, talent development, learning and development, employee engagement. 200 is a pretty small enough where you're kind of handling everything. Yeah. Um, employee engagement, culture, all of that, doing a lot of coaching, manager training with new managers. Um, and yeah, that was, I, I just got to a point in my career where I said, there's, there's a portion of this that I really, really love to do, which is the coaching, the leadership development, um, the, the culture piece, and I was like, I wanna do something that that maximizes that that's the part of my, that's mm-hmm. all of my job, right? right? So that's when I left that job to start my own business and that's what I've been doing for the last three years.
0: Hold yeah. on, what happened to golf?
2: Oh, well, I moved to Tampa from okay. New York City, <laughs> okay. so.
0: So you're golfing a so lot I'm more. So I'm golfing
2: a lot more, okay, good. yes. Uh, although not as much as I would like, but um, yeah. I'm. It's my, it's my happy place is on the mm-hmm. golf course, so mm-hmm. as much as I can. I try to reserve Fridays. For at least a range of session, so, right?
1: Yeah. Were you at Valspar?
2: No, no, but I I played at Bals- at um, uh, uh, a called? Yeah, a Copperhead uh, last summer with my brother for um, Barstool Sports does a yeah, annual oh, cool. um, annual golf tournament. So we played there. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll have to get into that one. What? That sounds Barstool fun. Barstool Sports. Yeah. Yeah, you should. <laughs> um, Ash and I like to golf too, nice. but
1: we're not. I mean, we go for fun. We don't, we're not too good. Well,
0: we're working on it. We can't oh, say yeah, that. we take golf lessons yeah. as well. Hey, that's great. We're working on it.
1: I love it. <laughs> um, so you moved to Tampa, you started your own company, mm-hmm. and now you can make a bigger impact with leaders all over, not just in Tampa, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. my clients are all over because I started my business right before COVID happened. So everything was online already. So, I mean, I do virtual keynotes. I do virtual coaching and training with teams. Um, but since moving to Tampa, I've been very intentional about getting more involved here. So I'm joining the board of the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce. I'm on the Young Professionals Board at MBAR Collective. And, you know, I've run into you both networking different mm-hmm. events, we were at Synapse. So yeah, I'm just super happy to be here in Tampa and there's just so much happening. There is a lot. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my goal here is to bring more, more of my my uh, message to the to the local market.
0: How would companies know that they would need you or need a coach like you? Like, what are the signs that they might see?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, like I said before, trust is such a big part of this, and where trust usually, when trust is not uh, high, you have breakdowns in communication. Teamwork is there's silos, like departments are not working that well together. Um, there's you know, interpersonal conflict on the leadership team. Uh, managers uh, are under-resourced or not supported. Um, a lot of new managers get promoted without a lot of direction or, or resourcing. So if you have a, a large cohort of newer managers that haven't had as much support, these are all things that, that I can help with.
1: Great. in all different sizes and industries?
2: Yep. All different sizes and industries. I mean, my background is more in tech and software companies, but uh, my clients, I have advertising agencies, I've worked with um, big brands, I've worked with retail brands, uh, um, medical education companies, so
1: great well we will share your information on our show notes because i'm sure there there are some listeners right now that will want to get in touch with you and um thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story
2: yeah thank you both for the the opportunity
1: it was so nice having you especially in person i'm so glad we could do this live me too and please like subscribe rate and until next time
0: live bold and boss up